personal email addresses, your home phone numbers, your spouse's personal identifiable information, your children's, your neighbors and assets. Like this is all the types of personal information we find exposed online. Welcome to the Rain Insights Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. For any business, large or small, the risks to both reputation and profit often boil down to security. Or in other words, how securely leaders protect their company's physical, intellectual, legal, cyber, and other assets. In this podcast on security with Brian Lynch, our host speaks with Michael Mason, the Enterprise Sales Director, Privacy and Security at Reputation Defender, about a range of security risks that can be, if not prevented, then mitigated. Let's listen. Well, hello, this is Brian Lynch, and welcome to my podcast series, Rain Insights on Security with Brian Lynch. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Michael Mason, who is an executive with Reputation Defender, and I'm really pleased to have Michael on the podcast. Welcome, Michael. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate the invite. So today, we're going to talk about online risk and threat assessments. It's a technique which firms use, some firms use, to help identify their threat and risk landscape. So, uh, Michael, let's start with the basics. What what is an online threat and risk assessment? Well, in regards to the reputation defender, we consider an online uh, threat and risk assessment identifying all of the PI, so the personal identifiable information uh, for executive leaders that is online, whether it's coming from uh, people search sites, data brokers, social media, the dark web, uh, you know, geo tracking activities, and identify again what personal information is out there. Uh, sharing that personal identifiable information we find with uh, the executive uh, physical security teams or the InfoSec teams and then working with them uh, to remove that PI uh, on our end uh, to protect those executives from uh, all myriads of threats and attacks. That's a great start because it's it's really important, I think, and, and obviously uh, you believe this as well, Michael, from our previous conversations, that to get a sense of what is that threat landscape uh, in uh, in the online world uh, related to whatever the business is, maybe the industry, but in particular the uh, the firm and its employees. And uh, can you can you go through a little bit of of uh, an example of some of that uh, personal identifying information that might be out there, Michael, that would be of concern? Absolutely. And you would be shocked and surprised to, uh, to to know that personal information such as obviously name variations, which is pretty common, but uh, it, it gets as, um, as personal as your physical home addresses, uh, your personal email addresses, your home phone numbers, your spouse's personal identifiable information, your children's, if they're, if they're you know, grown adults, their personal identifiable information. Um, you know, down to uh, your, your neighbors and assets. Like this is all the types of personal information we find uh, exposed online uh, for again executive leadership. And uh, you know, as you mentioned, this um, information being exposed can create uh, an almost infinite number of not only you know cyber-related threats and attacks, but but more recently we've been seeing an increase in physical threats and attacks as well um, because this information is out there. Yeah, that's a great point. And for the firms that may be listening that haven't yet decided to invest in this type of uh, activity, 
uh, investor corporate dollars. What are the key considerations that an organization should uh, review in order to make that decision? And, and what should they expect from an outcome? Right. I, I think the first thing is awareness. Um, I talked to uh, a number of uh, you know, uh, enterprise organizations. And uh, typically my conversations are going to either be with someone on the physical security side of things, the InfoSec side, and, and on occasion it's directly with the the C-level executives themselves. And I think that the first thing is the awareness. Many times um, they had no idea that, one, the information was out there on the internet, but two, that it was so easy to access it. So I think the awareness piece is the first part. And, uh, you know, again, with the especially when you're having a conversation with the CEO, a president, owner of a, an enterprise organization, and, and they can see um, all of their home addresses, their their personal home phone numbers, their spouse's personal information. It's really eye-opening for them. And that really uh, is what kind of starts the conversation of, okay, what what's available? What can you guys do to help us to remove this information? Um, and it's even worse if there have already been um, uh, threats or attacks that have taken place. Yeah, that's a great point. It, it's really assessing what is available to those uh, subjects or threat actors that may want to obtain that information, how easy is it to obtain? And then, um, Michael, what have you seen uh, threat actors do with this information? Oh, I mean, the the laundry list of things are it's uh, it again, it's almost infinite. So on the, I like to break it up in again two categories, right? So on the on the cyber side of things. Uh, you know, the threat actors and adversaries, they're using, you know, your personal information, like, again, names, email addresses, uh, cell phone numbers to initiate, you know, all forms of social engineering, phishing attacks, whaling attacks, uh, ransomware, DDoS attacks, um, you know, compromised credentials. So these are some of the uh, most common cyber-related threats and attacks um, that occur because your personal information is so easily accessible to these adversaries. And then on the physical side uh, of things, um, having this information so exposed leads to stalking, uh, harassment, um, physical ransom, uh, you know, threats and attacks uh, I, I hear about uh, as well, too, unfortunately. So uh, it's um, the, the exposure of your personal identifiable information. Uh, it's, it's really it's, it's a two pronged challenge, right? It's, you've, you've got the cyber side of it that needs to be addressed. And, and, and I know businesses, you know, um, you know, do their best in that regard. But a, a lot of times um, it's um, it, it kind of goes unforgotten about the, the physical threat that this can cause as well, too. Yeah, great, great information and great points. Um, and so we've talked about what is the information that might be out there. Uh, we've talked a little bit about what <clears throat> the subjects or the actors could do with that information. Well, let's talk about who those threat actors are, uh, the subjects that might be doing this, and, and why. What's their motivation? Yeah, so... I. I, one of the the things that um, we identified with working with a lot of of companies where CEOs, CFOs, CEOs, and other key executives are actively being targeted, um, the the adversaries they're gathering this intelligence uh, on one hand uh, to to gain access to company sensitive data. 
and, and then to carry out all forms of cyber attacks that uh, we, we mentioned as well. So I think that's um, that's the biggest uh, kind of area of concern. And, and um, you know, again, that's where, you know, we want to you know, help these businesses identify this info and, and remove it. Uh, and then again, the other side that I know I've mentioned a few times, uh, you know, executives are also experiencing an increase in threats and attacks, uh, you know, for, you know, how they've responded to current events or layoffs within their organization, you know, posting their opinions on sensitive topics online or the direction the company is going in. So that creates a whole new list of uh, of attackers. And, and these could be anyone from a disgruntled former employee to uh, a, a disgruntled spouse of a, a current employee because of, of layoffs or things of that nature or just um, – you know, uh, crazy fanatics in general that are, you know, scouring the, the, the Twitter feeds for, um, you know, controversial events that are happening within an organization. Yeah, absolutely. And and those are certainly points that, that folks can relate to that are involved in the global security, information security um, profession, uh, as you um, rightly pointed out. Um well, let's 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 talk about uh, some of those threat, some of those threats that the firms are facing today. Whether it's uh, climate activists, social unrest, geopolitical. I think we we've, we've discussed in the past that sometimes uh, executives uh, stay quiet on an issue, and uh, that causes uh, some sort of a reaction because they haven't taken a stand. And then in other situations, executives or representatives of the company have taken a stand. And of course, that then generates response. So really, you can't win for losing, can you? No, you're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're you're darned if you do. You're darned if you don't in, in many situations. And, and I can tell you firsthand, I mean, just uh, you know, recently on, on the topic of, you know, kind of you know, political or geopolitical uh, events that are happening. You know, I've, I've had conversations with again, enterprise organizations uh, where, you know, because of their stance on certain, you know, political um, topics, um, you know, pictures have, have leaked of, you know, conversations or training uh, onto social media and, uh, you know, from, you know, from, from individuals internally and that created, uh, a you know a backlash that uh, you know you could you could hardly imagine from from, from all fronts uh, because of because of their stand. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I always say that um, if you haven't been, if the firm hasn't yet been a victim of this type of issue, uh, meaning that some of their information available online has been used either against a firm or individuals. It's just a matter of time. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. 100%. And, and, and that's why we encourage uh, organizations to, to get ahead of that. Uh, you know, a lot of times we, we do talk to organizations where um, they have yet to experience a threat or attack. Uh, and so their their, their motivation uh, is not is not as much as an organization that has experienced you know threats and attacks. And so um, you know we encourage that you uh, identify what's out there and, and get ahead of it, so that you can mitigate you can mitigate your risk and you can mitigate the um, the different um, you know vectors that could be used to to attack not only the executives but the business uh, as a whole. 
And, and Michael, I think that's an excellent point because, you know, what we're talking about is to make it harder on whomever it is that's trying to obtain this information from actually obtaining it. And, and I aspire, uh, and, and I'm sure you feel the same way, that some of these actors uh, won't expend too much time on a firm if they have other firms that, are, that their information is, is easily accessible uh, vis-a-vis ABC company, that information is readily available. XYZ company, it's harder for me to obtain that. They're going to go to the easier firm. I agree with you 100%. It's the, the, they're going to go for the low-hanging fruit. And uh, that's the the unfortunate, um, you know, advantage they have when it comes to personal identifiable information. You know, organizations um, they they generally do a, a well job of protecting, um, you know, internal business related you know contact info. There's you know businesses have tons of solutions to mitigate the risk of you know phishing and whaling attacks internally within the organization, but. Again, it's um, it, it it is often forgotten about how um, now personal identifiable information like a a, a personal email address or a, a cell phone number uh, can be used to gain access uh, to to people and to the business. I I, I hear um, all, all the time um, people's uh, WhatsApp um, phone numbers are are, are being used to. Um, to initiate, you know, financial transactions, and it's, you know, it's a, it, it's a bad actor, right? Impersonating the president, the CEO of an organization, um, you know, and, and you know, I've, I've heard, I've had conversations where um, an executive assistant, um, you know, had, you know, accidentally transferred funds to a bad actor because they thought they were talking to the the CEO, the president of the organization. So. Um, yeah, the, the, the risks are, uh, are everywhere and, and increasing uh, on the personal uh, side of things. And I even recall you had a guest on your show uh, a few episodes back, uh, and, you know, their speciality is, um, you know, protecting the executive's devices. And I, that's just, um, just further evidence that uh, the, the personal side of the coin uh, is just as um, uh, important to protect as, you know, the internal business side of things. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thanks for referencing that because, uh, you know, there are so many different areas that have to be protected against. And and I really think that when someone is doing research on a company or an individual, the CEO, uh, maybe an executive vice president, uh, they're looking for information not because they're just collecting it, but they also want to take an action on that information and and being proactive. And as you mentioned, Michael, uh, looking at what's available out there for somebody to gather uh, is critically important to designing a security game plan to protect the firm, is it not? Oh, 100%. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, you know, and that's something that we have conversations with our with our you know, the, the the clients that we have when we identify this personal information, and we also identify where we're finding it. Uh, we use that data to uh, encourage them to to take certain measures to again to, to protect this um, their, their executives, to protect the business, and to protect this sensitive data. So, Michael, in in your experience, in your firm's experience. 
Can you can you talk about the, the the two areas that I know that you work with, which is the physical security professionals and the information security professionals? Uh, how do they use this information? Yeah, that's a really good question, Brian. On the physical side of things, the the, the physical security uh, uh, professionals that we work with, they're using this to identify physical risk factors. Uh, and to to eliminate them because again on the physical security side of things their sole responsibility is to protect the, the health and the wellness and, and the life of that executive that they're responsible for uh, and, and the individuals around them so um, they're using this to, 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 to plug holes that could lead to you know things like um, you know harassing phone calls to the executive or to the spouse um, individuals showing up at their homes um, you know being stalked, um, kidnappings and things of that nature. And then on the info security side of things, uh, typically their, their priority is, again, protecting sensitive data within the organization. So they take this information uh, and they're using it to identify if they're uh, if this information could be used to gain access uh, internally to the organization, and then also to again uh, protect and prevent, uh, you know, some, something like, uh, you know, someone using a person's, uh, you know, personal email address, uh, or again their WhatsApp number, or uh, even their their social media account uh, to to gain access to um, companies' sensitive data. Yes, Michael, great examples of how this data is used and how the two different component parts of a global security team uses that data and to what end. And as you uh, laid out before, uh, you can use this approach, uh, meaning the online threat and risk assessment approach, either in a reactive way, which is, hey, you know, we've had somebody uh, uh, steal, obtain uh PII on executives and it led to whatever that action might be. And now we need to really clean it up. Or as you noted before, on a proactive uh, measure, which is let's find out what's out there. Let's find out what the threat landscape is and let's be proactive and making it harder on individuals who want to obtain this information to actually obtain it and use it against us. Yeah, one one hundred percent, right? And I I think that's what makes a solution like um, you know our executive privacy solution uh, so unique. Is it's it we use a, a two pronged approach. Not only are we identifying the personal information that's out there, we take it a step further to actually remove the home addresses, the names of family members, the phone numbers, the email addresses, and other sensitive information from the internet. So we're going in and we're initiating the removals and the opt-out processes with the data brokers and the people search sites. Uh, we're scanning the dark web for mentions and chatter of the of executives and and their personal information uh, as well. Uh, and then again, providing this data to uh, those physical and infosec teams um, and and the also the, the progress that we've made and removing it from uh, the internet. Uh, so that again, uh, they can reduce, if not eliminate, um, the uh, the risk associated with this information being out there. Yeah, again, I, I think that's a that's an excellent point and, and an important point to to emphasize that not only does this action, this this process, this tool, identify where the uh, vulnerabilities are and what 
type of data is available, but it's critically important to remove it so that uh, it's not available uh, in, in an easily obtainable way. And let's speak a little bit about the removals. Um, it, it, that's an ongoing monitoring process, right? It is. And, and it has to be because, you know, in, internally we, we say it's a game of whack-a-mole, right? It's, you know, we can take down uh, and remove the personal identifiable information, but because there are hundreds of data brokers and people search sites that are uh, constantly scrubbing the Internet for your personal identifiable information, uh, you do need to go back, uh, retrace your steps, identify if any of the, the old data has resurfaced or if new personal information uh, on, on an executive or someone they're related to pops up, uh, we start the removal process over. Uh, and, you know, the, the other kind of unfortunate, you know, uh, truth and, and, and challenge out there for, for organizations that have attempted to identify and remove themselves is that uh, these, you know, these data brokers and people search sites, they, they spawn new sites, um, they share, trade, and barter the personal information across uh, one another, and it, it makes for a an extreme um, usage of uh, energy, time, and resources internally to to have to, you know, constantly scan, remove, um, rescan, re-remove. Um, and, and again, I think that's what makes a, a solution like, you know, reputation defenders, executive privacy, um, so, so helpful to an organization. Yes, absolutely. And, and this is really should not be considered a one and done. Uh, as you noted, I think the optimum efficiency here is to initiate and then continue to monitor uh, for the points that you, that you noted. Uh, so if, if I'm listening uh, to this podcast today and I'm thinking about uh, initiating this for my company, how do I do that, Michael? Yeah, I, w I would encourage um, that you uh, go to uh, the executiveprivacy.com uh, website or the reputationdefender.com website uh, and reach out to, to, to me and my team. And what we can do is we can do uh, an initial scan. What we'll do is we can uh, scan some of the most um, widely used people search sites that are out there. And we will show you um, and approve a concept exactly what type of PI is out there uh, on your executive leadership team. And then from there, we can discuss um, how we can uh, begin the removal uh, process uh, of that uh, that personal information. And, and uh, Michael, are you looking for those key assets or what we like to say at Rain, those emerald assets uh, that firms are trying to protect? Are, are you looking uh, for information like that from the company? T tell, t tell the listeners exactly how, how that process would work. Yeah, the, that process of identifying, it, it's actually easier than, than, than most people know. Uh, again, there are hundreds of data brokers and people search sites online, and you can simply plug in uh, an, ex an executive, uh, a um, a celebrity and athlete's name and, um, you know, the city and state in which they reside in. Uh, and these people search sites will pop up and, and many of them for free at, with no cost will provide you with uh, information such as their addresses, their, their phone numbers, their, um, their email addresses, um, spouses and other relatives, personal identifiable information. 
right? And and and, again, and that's where that that's where it starts. That's again, that's that low hanging fruit that I referenced earlier in our conversation. Are, are the data brokers and the people search sites that are kind of you know kind of freely sharing this information uh, online? And so we'll we'll start there. Uh, and, and as I, I've also mentioned, uh, again, when anyone from um, the the physical security director. Um, the chief security officer or the executive themselves sees, you know, how within a matter of seconds and a couple, you know, uh, clicks on my, my keyboard and mouse, how we're able to pull this and identify this information. Um, they're, they're, we have their attention and they're, they're, they're interested in, again, what they can do to get this stuff offline. Uh, excellent information. And it really comes down to, uh, and, and look at everybody's trying to reduce risk. You know, exposure risk is is one of the key components of of a great global security program, and being able to first of all identify where your vulnerabilities are, which is what this assessment can help with, and then taking an action to solve that problem. Uh, and I, and I think that this assessment, as you laid out here, uh, Michael, it, it, it certainly meets those two endpoints. Absolutely. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And uh, again, we, we certainly encourage it. And uh, again, if you were to uh, to go to, again, executiveprivacy.com and you can schedule some time uh, with uh, uh, one of our executive privacy uh, executives and um, they can show you what we are able to identify online, uh, just in a, again, a quick initial scan. And then uh, we can discuss the options to do a full in-depth uh, scan of the Internet uh, dark web as well. That, that sounds great, Michael. And, and one last question before we conclude today. Uh, how, is that communi- how is that communicated to your client? So I'm, I'm a client and I've uh, engaged uh, with, with your firm to provide me with what that footprint looks like. How is that communicated and, and what is the structure around that? Yeah, so uh, once we bring on a client and we start our initial scan of the internet and the dark web, we provide some pretty robust and detailed reporting that is going to uh, give them full insight into the personal identifiable information we found online, all the sites and locations in which we did scan, the potential threats, risks, and vulnerabilities based on the information that we did find, um, our tips, tricks, and strategies on what we recommend to, again, mitigate and reduce the, the threats and, and, and risks, as well as a progress report of all the sites that we've gotten the information removed from and the ones that we're still working on getting the, the, the information removed from as well. Oh, that's great. And then that, that allows the Global Security Department to review that and then take the appropriate actions uh, that might be needed to further protect and reduce that exposure risk obviously to include the removals and and whatever whatever else might need to be done based upon what's found um, and just uh, just to uh, close out on this how long does the uh, initial review uh, take to get those results back to a client say yeah we typically uh, we start that initial scan and we typically have all of the results within uh, a week to two weeks and and at that point, uh, that's when we'll schedule uh, a meeting with the um, the you know the physical security individuals that are involved, the infosec people that are involved, and and share those results with them. The point there is is that it doesn't take you know six months to get that result back. It's it's fairly quickly 
uh, to, to get a to get a handle on what that risk exposure might be. Yes, it is. And then to add to that, uh, we rescan um, all the data brokers, all the people search sites, the internet, the dark web, social media, etc., on a monthly basis. So um, you'll be able to see, again, what sites the data may have repopulated on, what sites the data has uh, been removed from. And again, you'll, you should see that. And what you saw on in your initial scan, which um, I, I've seen initial scans that have anywhere from you know, 500 to over 1,000 instances of personal information, uh, on, on a single individual that we found, you'll see those numbers dramatically reduce month after month after month. And by those numbers reducing, you're seeing the exposure risk reducing as well. Exactly. That, that's the end game, right? The end game is to reduce, if not eliminate, um, the, um, the exposure, uh, the threats, the risks, the attacks. Excellent. Well, Michael, it's certainly been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today uh, discussing the threat risk assessment, online risk assessment that firms should consider in approaching their uh, risks and their threats to not only their company, but to their people. Thank you again, Michael. Thanks for having me on the, the podcast, Brian. I really appreciate it and uh, appreciate what the RAIN Network is doing to help organizations as well and protect um, their, um, their executives as well. Michael Mason is the Enterprise Sales Director, Privacy and Security at Reputation Defender. RAIN is a risk intelligence company that provides access to critical insights, analysis, and support to ensure business continuity and resilience for our members. Learn more about how RAIN helps businesses prepare for and mitigate risk at RAINNetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E Network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.